And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, it is October 19th. And the war still rages in Europe and in the Middle East. The... uh, you know, Hamas attacks and screams, they're the victims. Uh, we got uh, Talib, an elected official, re- leading an insurrection. She was physically there. But of course, Jack Smith isn't going to go after her. And... Uh, you know, the mere fact that Trump was alive at the time of January 6th, got to be guilty. You know, I'm not for or against anybody, but I believe in justice. And I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing politically motivated attacks against a man who hadn't done anything to anybody. You may not like him, but that doesn't mean he is fodder for being attacked from every direction. Uh, Clearly, there's an attempt being made to destroy him uh, so that uh, he doesn't run against the great Biden. And you have to excuse me. I I don't think much of this president. He has uh, been nothing but a politician his entire life and makes up stories. And everybody says, oh, that's, that's, that's just Joe. No, he lies. Call it what you will. He lies. Well, as I said, today is October 19th, 292nd day of the year. 73 days remain to the year's over with. And as y'all wanted me to do holidays observances. So the National Credit Union Day, National New Friends Day, Conflict Resolution Day, Evaluate Your Life Day. National Shakeout Day, um, LGBT Center Awareness Day, National Get Smart About Credit Day, National Jared Day, National Kentucky Day, National Seafood Bisque Day, Spirit Day, um, World Humanitarian Action Day. And World Pediatric Bone and Joint Day. Alrighty. In 202 BC, Second Punic War to Battle of Zama, Roman legions under Scipio Africanus defeat Hannibal Barker, leader of the army defending Carthage. Hannibal is the one that crossed the Alps. 439 AD, the Vandals led by King. Gasseric takes Carthage in North Africa. 1216, King John of England dies at Newark-on-Trent, succeeded by his nine-year-old son, Henry. 1386, Universität Heidelberg holds its first lecture, making it the oldest German university. 1453, Hundred Years' War. Three months after the Battle of Castillon, England loses its last possessions in southern France. 1466, the Thirteen Years' War between Poland and the Teutonic Order ends with the Second Treaty of Thorn. 
you know, when a independent um, knightly order can actually take on and defeat a country, you got to wonder about that. 1469, Ferdinand II of Aragon marries Isabella I of Castile. Marriage it paves the way it paves the way to the unification of Aragon and Castile into a single country. We call it Spain. Fifteen twelve, Martin Luther becomes a doctor of theology. Fifteen seventy nine, James the Sixth of Scotland celebrated as an adult ruler by a festival in Edinburgh. Fifteen ninety six, the Spanish ship San Felipe runs aground on the coast of Japan and its cargo is confiscated by local authorities. 1649, New Ross Town in Ireland surrenders to Oliver Cromwell. 1781, American Revolutionary War. Siege of Yorktown comes to an end on this date. Uh, 1789, John Jay is sworn in as the first Chief Justice of the United States. 1805, War the Third Coalition. Austrian General Max surrenders his army to Napoleon at the Battle of Ulm. 1812, the French invasion of Russia fails when Napoleon begins his retreat from Moscow. 1813, War of the Sixth Coalition. Napoleon is forced to retreat from Germany after the Battle of Leipzig. 1864, American Civil War. The Battle of Cedar Creek ends the last Confederate threat to Washington, D.C. Also in 1864, American Civil War. Confederate agents based in Canada robbed three banks in St. Albans, Vermont. 1866, in accordance with the Treaty of Vienna, Austria cedes Veneto and Mantua to France, which immediately awards them to Italy in exchange for the earlier Italian acquiescence to the French annexation of Savoy and Nice. 1900, Max Planck discovers Planck's law of black body radiation. 'Law' for those who are not familiar with it, and I wasn't until I researched it, describes the spectral density of electromagnetic radiation emitted by a black body in thermal equilibrium at the given temperature of uh, seven. I'm sorry, T. I can't read my handwriting. When there's no net flow of matter energy between the body and its environment. Um. So go come up with something bizarre and name it after yourself. 1912, Italian-Turkish War. Italy takes possession of what's now Libya in the, from the Ottoman Empire. 1914, World War I. First Battle of Yips begins. 1921, the Portuguese Prime Minister and several officials are murdered in the, the Bloody Night Coup. That's the name by which the radical revolt that took place in Lisbon on the night of October 19, 1921 became known. During the day, a coup led by Antonio Granjo's government to, uh, led his government to resign, but President Antonio José de Almeida resisted appointing the rebels' government. During the night, a riot led by a ghost truck uh, led by Abel Olimpio, resulted in five people associated with the Sudanist regime being killed and one being uh, gravely injured. Um, uh, 
But all you can say is, you know, some folks just don't know when to leave. 1922, British conservative MPs vote to terminate the coalition government with the Liberal Party. 1935, the League of Nations places economic sanctions on Italy for its invasion of Ethiopia. A modern army fought to a standstill by natives on horseback with spears. Germany had to come in and help them. 1943, the cargo vessel Sintra is attacked by Allied aircraft at Crete and sunk. 2,000, 98 Italian prisoners of war drowned with it. 1943, streptomycin, the first antibiotic remedy for tuberculosis, is isolated by researchers at Rutgers University. 1944, United States forces land in the Philippines. Also in 44, a coup is launched against Juan Frederico Ponce Valdez, uh, beginning the 10-year Guatemalan Revolution. 1950, China defeats the Tibetan army at Chambo. 1950, Korean War. The Battle of Pyongyang ends in a United Nations victory. Hours later, the Chinese army begins crossing the border into Korea. Uh, had the Chinese stayed out of it, it would have come to an end in 1950, but instead, they had to stick their nose in. 1950, Iran becomes the first country to accept technical assistance from the U.S. under the Point Four program. And for those who are not familiar with the Point Four program, it was a technical assistance program for developing countries announced by United States President Harry S. Truman in his inaugural address, January 20th, 1949. Uh, took the name from the fact that it was uh, the fourth foreign policy objective mentioned in the speech. 1955, the General Assembly of the European Broadcasting Union approves the staging of the first Eurovision Song Contest. 1956, Soviet Union and Japan signed a joint declaration officially ending the state of war between the two countries that had existed since... uh, August of 1945. 1960, United States imposes a near-total trade embargo against Cuba. In 1973, President Nixon rejects an appeals court decision. He turned over the Watergate tapes. 1974, Niue becomes self-governing colony of New Zealand. 1984, Roman Catholic priest, Jersey, Papalusco, associated with the Solidarity Union, is killed by three agents of the Polish Communist Internal Intelligence Agency. 1986, President Mozambique and a prominent leader for Limo, along with 33 others, die when the aircraft crashes into the the Bombo Mountains. 1987, the United States Navy uh, conducts Operation Nimble Archer, an attack on two Iranian oil platforms in the Persian Gulf. 1987, Black Monday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average falls by 22%. That's 508 points at that time. 1986, British government imposes a broadcasting ban on television and radio interviews with members of Sinn Féin and 11 Irish Republican and Ulster Loyalist paramilitary groups. 1989, Convictions of the Guilford Four are quashed by the Court of Appeals of England and Wales after they spent 15 years in prison. Now, the Guilford 
four and the Maguire seven were the collective names of two groups of people, mostly Irish, who were wrongly, wrongfully convicted in English courts in 1975 and 1976 for the Guilford pub bombings of October 5, 1974, and the Woolrich pub bombing of November 7, 1974. All the convictions were eventually quashed after long campaigns for justice, and the cases, along with those of the Birmingham Six, shattered public confidence in the integrity of the English criminal justice system. If you believe there was integrity in the criminal justice system in any country, you've been drinking too much Kool-Aid. 2001, a sea of 10, an Indonesian fishing boat en route to Christmas Island carrying 400 migrants, sinks in international waters with the loss of 353 people. 2003, Mother Teresa is beatified by Pope John Paul II. 2004, 13 people are killed when Corporate Airlines Flight 5966 crashes in Adair County, Missouri while on approach to Kirksville Regional Airport. 2005, Saddam Hussein goes on trial in Baghdad for crimes against humanity. Also in 2005, Hurricane Wilma becomes the most intense Atlantic hurricane on record with a minimum pressure of 882 MB. Hmm. 2012, a bomb explosion kills 8 people and injures 110 more in Lebanon. Also in 2013, 105 people were injured in a train crash in Buenos Aires. 2019, members of Parliament met with the House of Lords to discuss the United Kingdom's Brexit deal. This was the first Saturday sitting in Parliament since April 3, 1982, during the Falklands War. Now, you know, the... Uh, One of the issues that is leading to so much hate and misunderstanding is the fact that most people believe what they hear on radio and TV or even on the Internet. The, uh, to give a prime example, when it was reported that Hamas had killed babies and cut their heads off. Nobody would believe it because nobody would do such a thing. But when the rumor started that it was the Israeli Defense Force that attacked the hospital in Gaza, everybody's ready to get the pitchforks and the torches and attack. Even though when the truth came out, it was a misfired missile sent by the PLO Jihad that actually hit the hospital. But even, you know, Talib, who um, is a representative, is still screaming and carrying on about Israel destroying the hospital. You know, if the truth was known about what's going on, we'd have a lot less of these type of things. Well, we've been talking about haunted places, and we got the ruins of the Hotel Takara, also known as the Hotel Royale in Okinawa, Japan. 
It's an abandoned structure. It's said it had been built without blueprints, which leads to its sprawling labyrinthine uh, quality. It's known as the Unearthly Inn. Now, the signs posted outside the abandoned hotels say keep out, don't enter, in danger. Um, the ruins have been restored, uh, but they're the... Uh, they're near the ruins of the uh, 14th century Nakagosuku Castle in Okinawa, Japan. Physical danger aside, the hotel, also known as the Royale, has become the kind of haunt that uh, local teenagers used to dare and scare themselves. In the process, they've created a campfire story that's been treated as fact, thanks in part to repeated iterations on the uh, our modern collective campfire known as the Internet. According to the legend, in the mid-1970s, an unnamed businessman from Naha financed the construction of the hotel on the hill with has phenomenal views of uh, Okinawa and hoping to cash in on the crowds coming to the 1975 Okinawa International Ocean Exposition. He hatched plans for a complex that included a water park, a petting the zoo, and even a nightclub. But the local Buddhist monks warned him the site was sacred. It's also, they said, too close to a number of old tombs in a cave inhabited by restless spirits. And spirits don't like change. But the businessman, being a hard-headed realist, I can't talk, didn't pay any attention to these stories until a series of freak accidents claimed the lives of some of his workmen. After his remaining workman uh, resigned, too terrified to face the spirits, he, uh, the owner moved into his uncompleted project, and slowly and surely went insane, ending his days as a gibbering hermit in, a, in the empty rooms of the sprawling facility. Well, certainly accidents on the site have continued uh, throughout the years. When a U.S. serviceman stationed in Okinawa was injured in the unfinished hotel in 2009, it was put off limits to the Marines, but not because of any curse. The dilapidated condition of the structure alone was enough to explain uh, most of the accidents. Well, whether or not the Hotel of Takara is uh, haunted, or just a real estate gambit gone awry, spots undeniably creepy even in the daylight. Its rubbish-filled abandoned halls are festooned with graffiti and spider webs, and it's hard to mistake a tattered curtain for a ghost. Or maybe the businessman from Naha is still running around. I couldn't find out what happened to him. Well, let's go to the ruins of Babylon, known as the Demonic Domain. Well, it's about 60 miles from Baghdad, where you can find the ruins of what's left of Babylon, the city where Hammurabi and Nebuchadnezzar once ruled. It's now a patch of barren land and Plundered treasures. Legendary uh, hanging gardens of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, are lost to history. But the famed Ishtar Gate was taken by the Germans in the early 20th century. And the Turks used bricks still marked with Nebuchadnezzar's name to build dams on the Euphrates. 1985, Saddam Hussein began remaking the site in his own 
megalomaniacal uh, image. Our invasion put an end to hit all this in 2003, but the troops brought their own depredations, building a helicopter landing pad over ruins and crushing ancient pavement with heavy vehicles. And it wasn't long before graffiti marked the site. Um, and priceless cuneiform tablets started showing up on eBay. You know, ancient Babylonians believed the destruction of sacred idols meant their divinities had abandoned them to evil forces, and it's not hard to imagine this ravaged wasteland is haunted by the likes of their uh, Ekimu, the restless spirits of souls who weren't properly buried, uh, Utuku, uh, demons who haunt abandoned places, and Alu, uh, faceless creatures who crush sleeping humans. The uh, if you saw the uh, the Exorcist, Pazuzu, the possessing spirit in the Exorcist, was a Babylonian demonic god. Then there's the Jinn, supernatural creatures of Arabic mythology, who may also linger here since they're known to haunt ruins. And this isn't just an ancient superstition. In November 2014, the residents of Kut, a city about 90 miles from the Babylonian ruins, became convinced the Jinn were burning their houses. So, what do you do with a rampaging gin? They don't want to get back in the lamp. Now let's go to Uluru, the curse of the rock. Well, according to reports, every day rangers and Uluru, Kata, Tahuda National Park in Australia's Northern Territory receive rocks in the mail. And you, know, you heard me right. They receive rocks, or as the Australian government calls them, sorry rocks, ranging from small chips to 70-pound boulders. They, they're sent from all over the world by tourists who've stolen them from Uluru, known as the Ayers Rock, the park's uh, subline centerpiece, and returned to them because they were cursed. Uh, many of these packages contained apologies, and about a quarter list of tragedies the writers say followed the thefts. According to one British tourist, things were good in my life before I took some of the Irish rock home with me, but ever since then, my wife's had a stroke, and things have worked out terribly for my children. We've had nothing but bad luck. Others describe breakups and illnesses and even deaths. One park manager uh, talking about the rock said, It's just a weird phenomenon. We stack them up in boxes, and every now and then we try to return them to the mountain so that the people's bad luck is dissolved. Formed hundreds of millions of years ago, Yoruru and its environs have been home to the aboriginal Anangu people for about 10,000 years. A 150-foot sandstone monolith is literally haunted, is a literally haunted place for the Anangu and a, uh, and a mystically inhabited by hundreds of ancestral beings. That's people, plant, and even animals. It is also, they say, honeycombed with hidden sacred song lines, paths that uh, reflect the creation of the world and are literally reflected in songs. The Anangu call their sacred sites my grandmother and my grandfather. So climbing Yuru is for them a sacrilegious sacred sacred desecration, if not the prelude to a curse. When Aborigines said you shouldn't climb, it's not the real thing about this place. 
real thing is listening to everything. Well, to preserve the sacred land form and prevent further environmental damage, uh, climbing guru has been banned effective October 26, 2019. Meanwhile, rangers still likely continue to receive sorry rocks returned by past climbers whom the curse followed home. Now, there's no evidence that atonement works, though. Um, one park manager said, I haven't had anybody write and say since I sent my right, a rock back we won the lotto or something like that. Um, you know, I've seen some very bizarre things in my life that uh, scientifically are impossible. But they happen. Well, let's go from Australia to haunted Europe. It's a continent where history and legend offer interact. It's home to some of the world's greatest ghost stories, along with goblins and vampires and more than a few doorways to the underworld. And some of the, well, let's say more famous locations have stories, such as the Rome's Colosseum. People report hearing weeping and roaring sounds mingle with the appearance of figures moving throughout the, the ancient stones. Some resident ghost of the Colosseum is said to sit in the decaying stands while Roman soldiers watch over a long, vanished spectacle. Well, from Rome, let's go to France. Many call Paris the city of the paranormal. One interesting uh, aspect of Paris is the, the notoriously haunted catacombs. Um, you know, July 14, 1931, is Paris celebrated Bastille Day. Princess Anna Obolinsky Trubetskoy fell almost a thousand feet from the third platform of the Eiffel Tower. She'd recently gotten married, seemed in very good spirits. Surely it was an accident. But letters found in her purse show a different story. They prove she'd killed herself. Just one of hundreds of people who've jumped from the, the Iron Lady since it was built in 1889. The princess is now said to be among the many souls that haunt Paris's, uh, France's national symbol. And... You know, Paris is known as the City of Light, but no matter where you look, the City of Lights has a dark side, from spirits in the Louvre, uh, which some have called the city's most haunted building, to the eerie catacombs and even nearby Versailles. The orbs and the ectoplasmic shades sometimes seen in the museum's medieval section are not, in fact, art installations, but uh, are believed to be the spirits of people once imprisoned there. One particularly well-known entity is the Little Red Ghost, uh, reportedly seen by the likes of Catherine de' Medici and Napoleon himself. Plenty of spooky places figure in the great works of French literature. Notre Dame Cathedral is known for its hunchback. The opera has its phantom, but in real life these structures are reportedly haunted by robed figures with tall pointed hats and the ghost of a suicidal woman who roams the streets outside searching for the man who jilted her. 
You know, the famously practical Parisians see uh, Pierre Lachaise and all its uh, gothic splendor as nothing more or less than a cemetery. It's said to be haunted by Oscar Wilde, Marcel Proust, Jim Morrison, and a number of lesser mortals. mortals. But the point is, things we take for granted, locations we probably have, we vacation to Paris, uh, places we probably vacationed at, uh, have a totally different story. Well, let's go to St. Patrick's Purgatory. It's on Station Island in Long Dark County, Donegal, in Ireland. Um, it's an interesting place. Would you believe shoes are not allowed on the island? The, uh, you know, since the Middle Ages... Catholic pilgrims had traveled to Station Island in the middle of Loch Derg in County Donegal, Ireland. And there they spent three days fasting and praying at the site where, according to legend, Christ allowed Saint Patrick uh, showed St. Patrick a, a cave leading straight to purgatory. The opening is supposedly now covered by a monastery, so if the dead ever decide to walk the earth, they probably won't start there. But the island is only one of many places where a gateway to the underworld supposedly exists. 2013, archaeologists unearthed uh, Pluto's Gate, which the people of the Phrygian city of Heliopolis in present-day southwest Turkey believed would be an entrance to the netherworld. According to one Greek uh, geographer, this space is full of a vapor so misty and dense that you can scarcely see the ground. And any animal that passes inside meets instant death. Early 1970s, the Derwiz Crater, a fiery desert sinkhole, opened in Turkmenistan. And though it's known locally as the door to hell, this, uh, its hellish aspect has more to do with natural gas deposits than demons. It was created when a ground grave way under a Soviet drilling rig. Other supposedly infernal entrances include Iceland's Mount Hecla volcano, Huska Castle north of Prague, the Bloody Hell Pond in Beppo City in Japan, and Lake Everness in near Naples, Italy, which the Romans considered the entrance to Hades. It's even referred to as such in Virgil's Aeneid. You know, some other worthy openings are a lot closer to home. There's supposedly seven gates to hell in the woods of York County, Pennsylvania. For instance, anybody passes through all of them, goes straight to, uh, well, it's believed to go straight to hell. Locals insist nobody's made it past five gates, has ever returned. And in the dilapidated uh, cemetery of tiny Stull, Kansas, lore has it that uh, hidden steps descend to the gates of hell. And voodoo tradition holds that the uh, seven portals to hell exist throughout New Orleans. Then there are the hells that exist in name only. Hell, California. Hell, Michigan. Hell, Grand Cayman. Cayman and the Cayman Islands. But if you find yourself in hell, Norway, relax. That word there simply means luck. But what I find interesting is the, the people who are so into their spiritual beliefs that uh, they do very bizarre things all in the name of their showing their devotion to a, a higher power. Whether that higher power is Zeus, Thor, Odin, um, Christ, God, 
Allah. Well, from there, let's go to Bran Castle, also known as Dracula's Lair. Yeah, throughout Pennsylvania, Transylvania, Bran Castle has long been known as Dracula's Castle. The real home of the man who inspired the bloodthirsty count is actually in Wallachia, Romania. Now a ruin, that uh, castle once belonged to 15th century prince Vlad Tepes, also known as Vlad the Impaler and Vlad III Dracula. He's known for such atrocities as impaling his uh, enemies on spears. That's where he got the nickname Vlad the Impaler. Completed in 1388 on a cliff between uh, Magura and Dealu Satantli. Bran Castle is the only structure in Transylvania that matches the description of Dracula's domain in Bram Stoker's classic 1897 novel. Now, interestingly enough, Stoker is not known to have ever visited Romania. And his book was based on 19th century tombs that uh, depicted the country as a backwater filled with superstitious peasants. In his novel, he called Transylvania this cursed land where the devil and his children still walk with earthly feet. Well, that skewed impression uh, continues more or less to this day. A 1994 Life magazine article concluded uh, the mist-covered mountains are real, the crumbling castles are real, the howling wolves, swooping bats, and peasants uh, making the sign of the cross are all real. And that may be true, but many Romanians resent the characterization of their country as a doom-haunted land of mystery and superstition. Brigham Young University student named Trent Leinenbach said, I hardly heard anything about vampires and werewolves or any of that. Uh, he spent time researching folklores in Romania. He said Romanians are aware that it's something they're known for. They don't seem to be extremely interested in that side of the folklore. Still, many older Transylvanians uh, continue to believe in the existence of ghosts and vampires and werewolves and witches and forest spirits such as the Strigoi. Humans whose uh, soul leave their bodies at night to wreak havoc among the living. Legends are rapidly dying out, though, which is partly why Britain's Prince uh, Charles, now King Charles, a descendant of uh, Vlad the Impaler, has established a foundation to preserve Romanian heritage. He said, I do have a bit of a stake in the country. Transylvania's in his blood, he said. Uh, let's go to Borley Rectory, England's most haunted house. In 1863, Borley Rectory was built in Essex, England, allegedly of the remains of a Benedictine monastery. According to local legend, that was where a monk and a nun were murdered after falling in love and trying to elope. Um, even the coachman who was going to drive them was executed. Now, the house first residents and locals uh, claimed to see the nun's ghost walking on the path that became known as uh, the nun's walk. Among other phenomena, ghostly figures are always seen looking through a window. It's been barred shut, but the ghost is still seen. 
None of this became widely known until the late 1920s when the new rector, the Reverend Guy Eric Smith, began to witness the spectral events and became distressed. I suspect I'd be kind of distressed as well. So he reached out to controversial psychic researcher Henry Price. But when Price arrived to investigate, all hell literally broke loose, leading him to call Barley the most haunted house in England. Keys flew out of locks, pebbles and coins rained from nowhere, and soon after this the Smiths fled the house when publicity made Barley arguably the first mass media covered haunting, precursor to the likes of the Amityville Horror. Well, in 1930, a new rector moved in, but left in 1935 after the supposed spirits became particularly attached to his wife, Mary Ann, writing messages on the walls, such as, Mary Ann, please help uh, get and please for help and prayers. After Price took up residence in 1937, intending to conduct further experiments, a message in a seance predicted the rector would be gutted in a fire. Well, nearly a year later, a fire did gut Borley Rectory. 1944, the building's remains were demolished. A life photographer visited and shot the site, and one of his images captured what appeared to be a brick levitating in a doorway. That was Borley's last phenomenon. At least Price called it that. Except, of course, it wasn't. The haunting continued in nearby Borley Church. Over the years, many people have come forward denying the event or alleging fraud. But at least one observer, cult expert uh, Alec Howell, was convinced that the haunting was legitimate. Suppose for a minute Price, uh, Price was quite aware that he was setting the stage for a colossal hoax. If he had that sort of thing in mind, he never gave the game away, or at least never gave it away to Howell. His acting must have been consummate. But all witnesses claim he was not acting. It was literally happening. Well, the original occupant aboard the rectory was named Henry Bull. Uh, and, you know, ghosts tend to attach themselves to certain people. I give you as an example the fact that it became attached to one of the rector's wives. Well, let's go to Phantasmal Prague in the Czech Republic. Gustav Meyrink, early 20th century Prague, in his classic uh, novel, The Gollum, wrote, I felt as if the houses were staring down at me with malicious expressions full of nameless spite. The doors were black, gaping mouths in which the tongues had rotted away. Nice turn of phrase there. A sort of biblical Frankenstein's monster. The Gollum is a mythical creature referred to in the Bible and the Talmud and supposedly fashioned from clay by wise men. One of its creators, the Rabbi Judah Lau ben Bezalel, uh, during the siege of Rudolph the, the reign of Rudolph II in the late 16th century, the Rabbi's aim was to protect the Prague's Jewish quarter from pogroms and anti-Semitism. Given the events of subsequent centuries, he wasn't entirely successful, unfortunately. Maybe that's why the Gollum is never seen on the streets of this bohemian city. Plenty of other supernatural beings are, though. In Prague, in the most haunted metropolis in Europe, it certainly offers one of the wildest uh, and widest varieties of otherworldly entities. 
He will find not just the ghost of the headless Templar and the benevolent spirit in the convent of St. Agnes, but uh, reignited pagan fires on the Petron Hill, a goblin that lives under the Charles Bridge, and a skeleton that begs drunks for money. Well, Prague may be one of the few cities with a monument to a ghost. A statue of a man named Joachim Berka stands on uh, Platnerska Street in the city old, city's old town. According to the story, returning from a war, he believed the false rumor his fiancée had been unfaithful to him. Furious, he married another woman. When his fiancée found out, she drowned herself. Well, a distraught Berka then killed his wife and hung himself. Now his wandering spirit gets a shot of salvation only once every 100 years. If he can find a virgin, and there is a major problem, and talk to her for an hour, he'll end his ghostly servitude. Sadly, he seemed to have missed his chance in 2009, but he's keeping his uh, spectral fingers crossed for 2109. Well... One place that I visited in England was the Tower of London. (coughs) One of the interesting stories came from Arthur Crick, who was a night watchman at the Tower of London. One night he stopped his nightly rounds to rest his feet when he heard a voice. There's only you and I here. And Crick shot back, let me get my shoes on and it'll only be you. And once he got that shoe on, he was gone. You know, guards aren't the only ones who say they've experienced supernatural phenomena in England's uh, fearsome ancient fortress on the River Thames. Started by one of my ancestors, William the Conqueror, in 1066, the complex of towers now almost everything from the crown jewels to the axe probably used in the last public beheading on Tower Hill is... Wildly considered the most haunted building in England. And there's a good reason for this. Throughout its notorious history, this site has seen more than its share of bloodshed misery. Supposedly home to the ghost of Henry VI, who was possibly praying here when he was stabbed to death. Allegedly in the presence of Richard de Plantagenet, the Duke of Gloucester in 1471. Unhappy Henry's now said to haunt the Wakefield Tower, where tortures often took place. But the most storied part of the complex is not surprisingly the oldest. The White Tower is where the ghost known as the White Lady wanders. Her perfume often uh, smelled at the entrance to the Chapel of St. John's. Headless ghost said to be that of Anne Boleyn is sometimes seen near the Queen's house, closer to, close to where she was executed on Tower Green. And the nine-day Queen, Lady Jane Grey, was... Reportedly spotted by guards on February 12, 1957. That was the 403rd anniversary of her death by execution. And maybe the saddest of all of the ghosts of the race of Edward IV's young son, Edward V and Richard. 1483, they were still sent to the tower for being declared illegitimate by their uncle, Richard, the Duke of Gloucester, at the time. He may also have had him murdered and he went on to become King Richard III. Skeletons of two young boys were discovered beneath the staircase in 1674, but uh, in spite of that, the brothers' spirits continued to be seen in white nightgowns, clutching each other in terror. Well, the tour that they give of that place is uh, 
well worth taking, let me tell you. Well, let's go to Moscow. The Bloody Kremlin. August 30, 1918, Vladimir Lenin was speaking in a Moscow factory named Hamlin and Sickle. Afterwards, as a founder of the Communist Party and first head of the Soviet state, left the building, revolutionary Fanya Kaplan called out to him and fired three shots. One hit him in the shoulder, the other hit him in the neck. No record on where the third one went, but that's the official Soviet story, though. And though uh, Lenin survived, never fully recovered, and the injuries he sustained may have led to the series of strokes that ultimately killed him. He was for years afterwards unable to walk without a cane, which is why in 1923 witnesses uh, thought it strange to see him moving quickly and unaided through the building's halls. Even stranger, the corporeal Lenin was away from the complex at the time. Was that a bad omen? Possibly. Mere months after this sighting. In January 1924, Lyndon died. And his embalmed body is now creepily entombed in Red Square in front of the Kremlin Wall. Surrounded by 240 victims of his October Revolution, his ghost prowls the fortress, which he, uh, where he has plenty of company, let me tell you. Ivan the Terrible, who died of a stroke while playing chess, is sometimes seen in the Ivan the Great Bell Tower. The ghost of Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin, who also died of a stroke uh, as he slipped into paranoid old age, brings with him a blast of cold air. And the spirit of Kaplan herself, who was uh, executed soon after the assassination attempt, said to haunt the Komendanskaya Bell Tower, pale disheveled woman holding a gun you know it's interesting some of the most radical revolutionaries are female they don't lead the charges themselves they urge everybody else to do it like any other city steeped in history and mystery moscow proper has its share of ghosts its storage site supposedly haunted by the likes of a spectral cat on uh, diverskaya street a ghostly carriage on Kuznetsky Most and uh, an old man on uh, Mayasnitskaya Street. There's even a notorious thoroughfare from Lubertsky to Litkarino Streets. That's the site of so many mysterious accidents. It's called Death Road. Well, any of these events and apparitions are real in the true sense of the word. Maybe beside the point. In the words of Russian writer Anton Chekhov, Man is what he believes. And that may well be the case. Well, I was talking about the Colosseum earlier, so let's go to Rome in Italy. Decorated for the traditional Via Crucis procession on Good Friday, the Colosseum uh, is said to be haunted by the ghost of gladiators. And the bones of thousands of dead monks create an unusual form of interior decoration at the Capuchin Crypt under the Church of Santa Maria del Concepcion, del Capuccini. Historian Titus Livinus, Livius, excuse me, uh, wrote about Romulus, the 
founder of Rome in one of his 142 books on the great city. He said the, the king was speaking. And a violent thunderstorm arose and enveloped in a cloud so dense that he was quite invisible. When the cloud dissipated, Romulus was gone, never seen again. The fabled disappearance occurred in what was in the Campus Martius, field of Mars, one remnant of which remains the Pantheon, the monument built by Emperor Hadrian to honor the pagan gods. Structures now said to be haunted by ancient priests and an eerie blue lights that had been seen in its interior. Other supposedly haunted sites in the Eternal City include the Colosseum, host of the Ghost of Dead Gladiators, the Skeleton uh, Phil Capuchin Crypt, and the Church of St. Maria del Popolo, which said to be haunted by Emperor Nero, who might have been buried on this spot. According to legend, so many people saw the Mad Emperor here that on that in 1099, Pope Pascal II was petitioned to exercise his ghost, which ultimately led to the building of a church on that spot. Well, you can be skeptical about it. So was uh, Titus Livius, who, after relating Romulus' celestial disappearance, wrote that humans want to believe in this sort of phenomena. He said, it's marvelous how many, how the army was soothed by the belief that it had been created in the uh, Romulus's immortality. Did he die? History doesn't report. But he was never seen again after that uh, little incident with the cloud. Well, let's go to New Grange. The megalithic mystery, as it's called. 1699, Charles Campbell, a landowner in Boyne Valley, County Meath in Ireland, asked his workers to dig for stone in a seemingly nondescript mound on his land. And it wasn't long before the men discovered what they thought was the mouth of a cave, but it was no ordinary cavern, let me tell you. It turned out to be the entrance to what would be eventually be known as New Grange, an elaborately decorated megalithic structure built in 3200 B.C. Predating Egyptians' Great Pyramid of Giza by 700 years and Stonehenge by a few hundred, the world's heritage site is uh, one of the oldest buildings in the world. I don't think uh, Charles Campbell got his... Uh, Requiring stones. In time, New Grange was revealed as only one of more than 90 ancient structures, the most significant being New Grange North and Douth, forming a complex known as Bru Nabulin, meaning the Palace of the Boyne. First, New Grange was seen as only a passage tomb, meaning that it led to a funerary chamber where bodies often cremated were buried, but some came to believe it was a temple. It's been acknowledged as a place where ancient people encountered different realms of existence, other dimensional beings, spirits, and even dead ancestors. Well, the three great Boyne tombs must have been a source of awe, wonder, and superstition from very early times, uh, maybe even from their very beginning, according to Michael and Claro Kelly, who wrote New Grange, Archaeology, Art, and Legend. And they still are. Crowds of people flock here every year during the winter solstice. That's the beginning of the Neolithic New Year, don't you know? When every dawn for nearly a week, in late December, a beam of sunlight gradually floods New Grange's uh, inner chamber through a portal precisely designed for that purpose. Thin places is what the, the Celts call spots where the 
line between the living and the dead, the mundane and the mystical is almost permeable. And New Grange is without question one of those places filled with not just the mysteries of prehistory, but the lore and legends of the Emerald Isle. Who knows what mysteries are beneath our feet? Well, let's go to the what's known as the Mineral Palace. The uh, Wajuska Salt Mines. Beginning in the 13th century and going on until 2007, Southern Poland's Wajuska Salt Mines produced table salt. And believe it or not, table salt was once as valuable today as uh, once as valuable as oil is today. Well before Morton's, the miners meticulously and lovingly sculpted from, uh, subterranean salt art, statues, chandeliers, and even 40 chapels, often at the risk of their own lives. The most impressive chapel, St. Kinga, is the world's largest underground church. According to the Handbook of World Salt Resources, there are many legends and stories about the mine at uh, Wodliska. One is that the Hungarian Princess Kinga, the patron saint of Polish salt miners, after she tossed her engagement ring into a Hungarian mine, the story goes, it relaxed. It reappeared later in Wodliska. In depths of this mineral palace, you'll find statues of the seven dwarves and even a friendly ghost, a sort of sodium Casper. He said to look out for the miners, warning them of imminent explosions or the presence of lethal mundane by saying, do not go. But this underground world has seen its share of tragedy. In the Yosef Posudski chamber, a ferryboat capsized in a lake in 1915, killing a number of Prussian soldiers. These days, the salt statue of St. John of Nepomuk, a Bohemian saint who predicts against flood and drowning, stands before the defunct boat. In 1944, the Nazis forced Polish Jews to work on an assembly line for aircraft machinery in the Stasik chamber. There, the workers carved a star of David that can still be seen. These days, the mine has become not only a tourist attraction, but an occasional destination spot for thrill-seekers. Thrill Weddings and even business conferences are held in the depths, and the health resort offers uh, algae facials. But you can't get a salt scrub. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and talk about more bizarre stories. Till then... Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.